Hi everyone, this is Michelle Kremser and I'm here with Eltas today in the Forum Cafe in Stuttgart. We're here with Rachel Paling, who is going to be doing our uh, workshop tomorrow and we thought we'd have another head-to-head -head interview. Come on in. So Rachel, we're so happy to have you here. Me too. Yeah, um, so tell me a little bit, I mean, we had actually had you last year yeah. for a workshop that we had wanted to have in person, but Corona, and it was just not possible, so we did it online, yeah. and we also did an interview online, which was kind of a little awkward, but we did it, <laughs> but we did it, exactly. Yes. So um, what I'd like to ask you is if, if you can clarify, if you could tell us a little bit about your foundation, about uh, the neural language coaching. Um, yep. Where did you, where did it all start from? Where did it, where did you get your ideas from? And, Ooh, mm. do you know what? It started here in Germany. Really? It really started in Germany in the year 2000. Um, I landed in a snowstorm. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I was actually coming to to um, to do a master's in Bochum University. Okay. And also working full time. We spoke about this yes, earlier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so working full time in a in a language school, and it was a business English school. Okay. Uh, in Dortmund. In Dortmund. Okay. And the gentleman there was called Jim, and he was a big Scottish guy, mm -hmm. redhead, full-blooded Scot, and he um, he was the first one that ever said to me. I want to do language coaching, and he said it with his Scottish accent, and I oh was like, Lord. "Okay, great, Jim. What me? is that?" <laughs> and yeah. he he kind of had done a, a master's in education in the UK, and mm -hmm. I think in Edinburgh, and one of the modules was coaching, and he was totally enamored with coaching, and he wanted to introduce it into his business, and he literally said, "Rachel, for these clients, I want you to be a language teacher. For these, I want you to be a language coach." And, and for me, it was that, well, how do I make a difference? Right. And that's where it all started, you know, in the year 2000, me trying to understand how on earth he used to say, put on your teacher's hat or put on your coach's, coach's hat. hat. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that was 22 years ago, Michelle. Right. I hadn't got a clue what coaching was. Right. So that started my journey of thought processes and then training as a professional life coach training into psychology, coming into brain-based coaching, David mm -hmm. Rock's method. And that sort of got me going with the research language because I am a language, um, a linguist? let's say, a linguist. Plus, I'd been teaching since I was 17. Wow. Um, so it all kind of came together, and it came together in between the years in 2008 and 2012. That's when I really started to focus on creating a concept. And okay. in 2012 is when... I would say I managed to crystallize it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sure you have a lot of people who are skeptics. Yes. And oh, who, yes. who think that, oh, coaching is just all hogwash. Um, mm. You're not doing anything different than, um, than what I've already learned. You're not doing anything different than I already do in my classes. Yeah. And so maybe you can go into a little bit about... Um, <laughs> Why? I mean, because some people, you know, I've got a master's degree, you've got a few master's degrees. <laughs> yeah. um, other people have master's or doctorates and whatnot, yeah. and that's all fine and dandy. But yeah. um, there's a specific thing that, that I think that comes with coaching, and um, can you maybe calm the critics? Well, I think, I think it needs unpacking a little bit. Okay. Um, I totally agree. When I first started in this world of coaching, it was like a quagmire. And back then in the year 2000, and, and you've been here in, in Germany a long time as well, and, and I think you, you plus, you know um, how people are in Germany, um, but in other countries as well. Yeah. And you know exactly that skepticism got me crystallizing the concept because I was, I developed the business uh, following Jim's trend. I then went into language coaching in companies. I was working in the Ruhrgebiet mm -hmm. and I was working with some very big companies and there was one particular um, learning and development manager mm -hmm. who was extremely skeptical mm -hmm. and he was the one that really, I was, I would say in 2009, 2010, I, I had some rough meetings with this gentleman yeah. and it was one of those meetings that actually made me come out of the meeting and think, I'm going to show you this as a concept. Okay. I'm going to create and crystallize 
a method, a concept, so that you can never ever say to me again that this is like everything else that we that's out there. Yeah, exactly. Or or it's or it's it's just the latest trend. That's right. And you know there are many, many people out there doing coaching, many people out there doing language coaching. Fantastic. Right. You know it's coaching is a broad world. Sure, it's a very broad term. It is. Mm -hmm. But one of the major problems is there are quite a few perspectives to coaching. Right. There's the business perspective, right. which I would say is driven by the International Coach Federation, the American perspective of coaching, mm -hmm. which actually is not directive. It's, it's about provoking, stimulating, and being a soundboard, and really right. mirroring, yeah. and, and creating those insights. But on the other side, you have the academic view on coaching, right. which sometimes in Germany even mm -hmm. is a five-year degree, and it goes into psychotherapy, psychology, so it really does go into being a very, I'm going to say, deep profession. Yeah. But it's totally different to the business yeah. And it's different to teaching as well. It is. It is, it is. But, you know, all the perspectives are valid. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I wanted was to also move away from the run-of-the-mill language coaching, let's say whatever that is, mm -hmm. and create something that not only was integrating professional coaching, but was also integrating knowledge about the brain, knowledge about learning, knowledge about language connections, right, right. everything together. Right. So we go really deep into the neuropsychology, the emotional aspect, the neuroscientific principles, plus the professional coaching. So tell me a little bit more, more about these neuroscientific principles, mm. because, you know, I watched a recent program and I hate to, you know, I watched a program on Netflix, Yes. Uh, Human, the World Within, yep. and the first episode was about um, connecting um, your neural pathways and, for example, like a boxer or the other one was a woman who was trying to get over her fear. Um, she was so, in Mexico, she was so paralyzed by a flash flood that she couldn't even move to help her children. And we all have these things that we go through that, um, where we learn something and then we have to do it, right? So yeah. if you're a boxer, you want to perfect your punch, you want to perfect your, you know, movements. Yeah. And if you're a, uh, someone who's in the, um, you know, life-saving type field, yeah. uh, then you have to get over, you cannot panic, you know, you That's cannot right. freeze. That's and right. You have to get over that kind of That's stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's a matter of training yourself, I think. And I, I always think of you when I see programs like this, because I have the feeling that this is, you know, this can be applied to language. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I think it's applied to everything in life. You know, I've flown over today. Right. And just thinking about pilots, pilots have to go into the simulator so that if there is any type of emergency, they're ready. Right. And they do it. Right. And it's phenomenal what pilots do because they just go into that automatic and they do it. And that's the same with all people who work right. with emergency situations. Sure. And there is a beautiful book. Um, it's called Into the Magic Shop. Okay. And it's by a neurosurgeon called James Dougherty. Mm -hmm. And he also writes, you know, that even as a neurosurgeon, well, a lot of people complain that he's not empathetic and doesn't have compassion. He said, I can't. Mm -hmm. I've got to do my job. Yeah. I can't be in those moments no, you going can't into my afterwards. emotional brain. I need to be able to save that kid. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to help that person. Right. And I honestly think that you know, when, when we start to understand ourselves and, and what makes us react, mm -hmm. and we start to train ourselves, we go into being proactive right. rather than reactive. Right. And, and this is an interesting thing, and I think it's something that we're all learning. Mm -hmm. um, but the more that you understand how the brain functions, how the limbic region reacts, how the amygdala gets aroused, it's like road rage. Mm -hmm. You know, in yeah. those moments, forget it. Yeah, you can't see anything else. No, right? That's right. And afterwards, you go, oh my goodness, was that me? So, yes, we can train the brain. Okay. But it takes training. Yeah. And it takes, sometimes it, tra it really takes working through triggers, emotional triggers. Yeah, I and can we've imagine. we've all got them. And with language learning, absolutely. Yeah. We've got them. 
I think I can relate in several different ways um, with students who maybe ha were never the best in language but had to use it mm -hmm. and have built this kind of I don't like English kind of thing yep. and you know they can use it and they can get by but they can't necessarily improve and they can use it they can get by within a certain frame for yeah. example somebody who's got the syntax problem with the German language is going to state sentences in a way that I will understand but not necessarily right. somebody who doesn't speak German yeah so yeah. yeah English for the German speakers <laughs> right right and this I think this is where it becomes very important to understand how to how to approach somebody about those triggers. Okay. Because if you can really identify them, where they come from, maybe from school, maybe from bad experience, then how do we get beyond them? Right. How do we change that syntax problem? Right. How do we get you into a more comfortable situation? You know, I always, I'm fascinated, I have to say at the moment, I'm fascinated with the cerebellum, okay. this part at the back of the brain, because this is where language fluency is from. Really? Yes. Okay. So my, if you like, my simplistic mm -hmm. explanation, you know, language fluency is back to front mm -hmm. because working memory is here. Is here. So literally, if we've got a very calm, relaxed brain, we've got the flow front mm -hmm. to back, front right. to back, front to back. As soon as there's a trigger, the emotional brain is lifting up. That's right. And, and the there's no flow. But, 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 but. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, I use um, a tactic, I guess you would call it, uh, but it's a fun one. I like to introduce games. Yeah, where um, my students might be under a little bit of stress because they get competitive, or hmm. you know, um, or or it's something challenging and difficult. It's a native speaking thing, and hmm. and so it's much better when we do it in person. Yeah, but we've also done stuff online as well, hmm. and. Um, and it, it's interesting because as soon as you, in, you know, even though it's a good stress, it's a fun thing for mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Um, it's stress is stress. And your body reacts the same way. Uh, more or less, you start to sweat. You, That's you, right. You, yeah. Breathing is yeah. going, heart rate's going, everything's yeah. going. And they shut down. Where's That's that right. word? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's fascinating. And I think, you know, we are coming into an era where all of us want to know more about ourselves. Right. And I think it's about, um, well, personally, it's been a journey of managing mm -hmm. my brain. And I know a lot of people at the moment are really into this question of, okay, how can I manage? Sure. But also, how can I help others to manage it? And especially children. Yeah. yeah. What a world it would be if we could create a world where three, four, five-year-olds are starting to manage their reactions, yeah. their emotions, yeah. they're able to calm themselves down, they're able yeah. to recognize the sounds, they're able to communicate with us and tell us. That would be absolutely fantastic. Wouldn't it just? So um, if I were to ask you, uh -huh. what, was, <laughs> what was your worst experience or worst critique that you've had? Um, and, and and why do you think they were saying that? Or, or what, what, what's the worst thing that someone's ever come up with about your... Yeah, because critique is, you know, criticism is a difficult thing. Mm. And a lot of times um, people criticize, I think a lot of times they criticize when they themselves are either, I don't know, maybe envious or they might be lacking somewhere. and or they're, I don't know, I, I, I don't understand a lot of times because um, yeah. granted I've not done your program, yeah. so I can't really, I can't truly advocate mm. for you. I can say <laughs> it sounds okay. really, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I'm just being truthful, yeah. but, um, mm. but I can't dispute, you yeah. know, and you're accredited. So for me, this is something that, yeah. um, why would somebody? Yeah, and I think, again, I think it comes, from this different perspective okay and 
you know, it's the same if we go back to the brain. Mm -hmm. We all have a totally different perspective on life sure. and the universe. That's we right. all have a different, unique makeup in our brain. So if one person has, let's say, their own perspective of what they think, mm -hmm. coaching, language coaching, or even my particular creation, what they think it should be, then obviously it's from their perspective. Right. And there's nothing I can do to stop anybody else's perspective. That's true. Um, and you know, in the, in the early years, it was really painful mm -hmm. um, because I was starting out. It was totally new concept. I was in a brave new world, let's say, all on my own, right. Michelle. Yeah. And a woman entrepreneur. And a, woman. a woman entrepreneur in Germany yeah. with, where men are absolutely, uh, I would say, still. There's a hierarchical sort of in well, business, sure. etc. So and the goal is for 30% of people in management positions that are women, and we're still at around 24, know, 26%, know, something like that. I so I was around when they started to bring that out. And we're still not there. We're not, but you know, everything's fine, but I also take it from the other brain perspective of social pain. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, in 2004, we have the research from uh, Lieberman and his wife, Eisenberg, and they demonstrate that the brain does not know the difference between physical pain and social and emotional pain. Okay. So, when you're being bullied, when you're being attacked, when people are attacking you publicly, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, it hurts. Yeah. And then slowly you kind of get, get I'm going to say hardened to it because then you realize, well, actually, it's not my problem, it's their problem. And the only thing that I can do is just focus on what I'm doing. I love what I do. I really love what I do. And you know, when I started this out, um, even from 2008 when I started the company, Efficient Language Coaching, for me it was, there was always this sort of vision and mission that somehow what we're doing is going to be shaping the way that teachers teach, the way that we come into education, but also not, not only from, from a perspective of wanting to do it, but from a perspective of needing to do it. And I have no idea, Michelle, where that sort of idea came from or whatever, but it really is. Now we're seeing it. 2022, after two years of pandemic, we're seeing how teachers are struggling. Yes. We've got children struggling to go back in the classrooms. We, we've got a traumatized world. Yeah. And the educators are partly the ones hanging it together. Yeah. But they're also traumatized. Yeah. So the more that we can all come into understanding the situation, our brain, how to deal with it, and I do think professional coaching and understanding is key. Yeah. So to all the skeptics, I mean, there's others that say that they used um, science-based research. What my, the heck is that? Well, my <laughs> research is also science-based, yeah. so yeah. I don't, you know, it's, it's really interesting how people take different sort of swipes. Yeah. But, okay, fine, fine. Yeah. You know, obviously they're trying to find their way and good luck to all of them. I've had to, in the last 12 years, yes. I've been so heavily, wow, uh, engaged and I'm just so grateful, grateful to all the people who have done the course. Yeah. All of them, you know, they've all gone through phenomenal transformations. Yeah. And I know, for me, that the greatest thing is, I know that they are all impacting their families, their learners, their children. They are impacting them and they are impacting others. That's and right. this is rippling and rippling and rippling. And, and I said right at the beginning, I cannot do this alone. Right. No, no. None of I, us can. It takes a, it takes a village. It takes, and, and this vision of uh, the, the enormous wall yeah. of educators, because the systems are not going to change. No, the systems are not designed are. to be flexible. The, well, we could say a lot about this, but the yeah, systems for the moment. They're not designed to be flexible, but we were <laughs> when we yep. needed to be. Yeah. But, no. um, but the teachers yeah. will change the system. They already are. Yeah. I've got teachers in public schools raising heads getting in amazing results.
That's great. At the moment, we've got one of our coaches in, in Taiwan mm -hmm. doing a study in, in the school. She's doing a master thesis, wow, and I can't great. wait to see the impact. Yeah. I think that's also part of the fun of it, you know, if yeah. you're an uber dork like I am. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I, I love the, the research, the seeing of, and, and I always yes. say a lot of times, my students will know me for saying this, you know, it's, I always say language is not an exact science. It's not, you know, it's not like I can say, you know, one plus one is two, you know, that just depends on, in English, half the time it depends on whether it's Tuesday and raining or not. Yeah. You know, it depends on how you feel about the statement, it depends on how you intend the other person to listen, to hear right. and understand the statement. We come back to perspectives. Exactly, it's all yeah. different, but so language you cannot just, but you have to, there has to be a common ground. And this is the common ground that we are all trying to find, I think, with language teaching, and, yes. but other people find their common ground not as easily or differently yeah everybody finds it differently they do you know and they too. I think what you do is very valid because um, you know there's always been when I did my master's degree you know we talked about the there were different me methodologies and then mm. there's the eclectic and this and, mi and mixing and mm. this method and that method and the you know and mm. and I thought to myself you know, I think what's really most important is what works. Yes. Isn't it? That's it. That's it. That's the key. What the feedback coming from the learner yeah. is the most important thing. And it's the thing that we've never been listening to before. We've always been listening to uh, the teachers, the maestros who are saying, this is the way it works. Everything that we do is about finding out from the learner. How do you want it? What do you want to do? How do you want to learn this? Right. And right. it's them that's giving the input. Okay, we're, we've got our expertise and of course we're transferring knowledge, but we're doing it in such a way that they don't realize it. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, I think that's, that's something that I think is, is really, and, and as a teacher, I also, I teach in companies, but I also teach in the university here in the Dual Hochschule. Yeah. And um, what is kind of an, if you know that a little bit of the history of teaching language and everything, particularly in Germany, and I don't think it's the only place where it happened, um, where you had, in the past, you had people who could write and read in English like nobody's business. Yeah. But they couldn't speak or understand anything. And now I think we're getting a little bit, it's turnabout time. Yes. So we have people who are more interested and also speak and understand better, yeah. but their reading and writing is get, becoming atrocious. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and so yeah. um, I think we also have to go back and figure out what works. Okay, now that we've got you understanding and speaking, how are you going to come to, for particularly for, Okay, when you're you were in the, the lower levels of a language, as you know, um, it's it's a different thing, yeah? yeah, because you're just learning the basics of communication. But the higher up you go, the more complicated it gets. Not only in your head, <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, in your head in different ways. Yeah. The input of information in your ears, what you have to say, and how you have to say it. In certain yeah. languages, it's a little bit easier just because of the forms that they have. In Spanish, yeah. you have the usted. Yes. In German, you have the Z. Yeah. And for me, as a person who grew up semi-bilingually with German, um, yeah. uh, I also, you know, I spoke with family. Yes. So I duced everybody. I was like, you, 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 and you don't say that in right. Z people. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think we're coming back to this. Um, more aware of our surroundings you know now the mm. students are but they're all speaking street english mm. <laughs> not, not always the best in a business presentation well that's right yeah. that's right that's and that's right. the tact that's yeah? right and how do you yeah. learn or unlearn how do you train yourself yeah that the, in this situation you have to use a separate set of language skills yeah yeah and i think you know the the word we've said it earlier today yeah. um the word is eclectic I call language learners, I call myself, eclectic levels. Yeah. And it's about us, the educator of language, understanding where is that learner and where is that learner scaffolding from. Right. And how do we fill in the gaps, change, adapt, 
what do we need that that learner needs yeah. to bring that language to the the level and skill that they require in that position where they are. Yeah. And How as you say, it could be reading, be. it could be writing, it could be speaking, yeah. it could be anything. But it is about us adapting to them and not them adapting to us. Yeah. Yeah, because if they adapted to me, they would still be speaking street English. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. No, well, they wouldn't. Not with your masters under your belt. No. As long as, no. as long as they're not in me with the car in the car driving, <laughs> they won't get the, the full force no, of no, my no, no. truck driver no. mouth. <laughs> no, they'll be fine. No, I think Waze was even funnier though. Yeah, Waze was hilarious. Yes, I love it. Yes. But I have it I'm to the dog setting. You have to now. download that. <laughs> it's super. <laughs> but you know something something as well that I'd just like to bring into the conversation. Sure. You know, we're talking about adapting to learners, but I do think as well the language learning market is changing. Yes, it is. And it has been changing over the last 10 years because the learners have changed, companies have changed, and also we got pandemic as well, which has really slapped the change yeah. coming in. Um, and I think as well it's now how can we help language educators to be more valued? Because you know, I, I'm coming from years and years ago, starting out at the age of 17, where you're kind of getting a pittance for teaching, training, whatever, but you accept it because you're young or whatever. I still hear of people who are earning very little money, Yeah. but they are, you know, we're all now university, whatever. I've got 10 years of academia behind me. Yeah. So to to pay somebody 20 euros an hour. I even had one lady in Germany who was not even earning the same as a cleaning lady. Yeah. So I do think Unfortunately, it's... Unfortunately, that still is... It's possible it is. that that kind of it thing is. happens. And she and was a university on. graduate, by the way. Wow. So, again, it's how we can help to get language educators recognized. You know, it's a topic that also came up um, in our organization in terms of uh, whether you're a native speaker or not. And yeah. for me, that's a, a, that's a really tough point because, you know, we have native speakers of English that are not teachers, that are not coaches, and they exactly. don't know, you know, they exactly. might have a background in business, but that doesn't mean they know how to teach you another language or know how to get you where you need to be. Exactly. And... Um, yeah, yeah, and to me, that's it's very difficult. I have a hard time with that. I've I've had this type of situation with me because I didn't have the British English. I didn't speak the Mary Poppins. So right. they <laughs> and do they require that? And some in, in Spain, I had. Um, oh, in Spain people, they yeah, do. Oh in, goodness. And had some places really? in Spain where they actually said to me, you know, we don't want the American accent. And I thought wow. to myself, the only accent you're going to have is a Spanish one. <laughs> when you're speaking and there's that's fine there's nothing wrong with having an accent people speak wow. fantastic english with an accent yep i speak spanish hablo español sí. con un poquito de acento de americano pero no el normal pero no yo creo que hablas con un acento mexicano mexicano no sí. <laughs> No, no puede Me ser. dijiste que estuviste en México, ¿no? Bueno, eso fue al, muy al principio, pero sí. al, al principio, principio, sí. como... So at any rate, yeah. all Spanish, German aside, yeah. my little bit of French that I speak, very, very little. Thank you, Flor. Um, my friend, Flor. Um, but the, the native speaker thing, the, it's, uh, we have highly qualified individuals mm. who are having a hard time mm. finding work because they're not a native speaker. Yeah. And quite frankly, in my perspective, mm. uh, unless you are really at a very, very high level, most of the time you don't, I mean, okay. Let's say you're at almost a fluent um, native speaker level. Yep. Then you can use someone who's a native speaker, in, in, my, in my personal opinion. But then you mm. can choose from many. You can have somebody who's Indian, Australian, That's right. British. That's right. Um, what does native British, mean? Wait a minute. Scottish, <laughs> Irish, someone well, from one Cockney. Forget uh, it. And also Newcastle. Yeah. Even I don't understand the no. Geordie accent. Exactly. And... and that's the thing. Um, yeah. I've I've read um, books that were written by non-native speakers, and you can hear their flavor of their language in their writing. You can literally read it in there, and it, that's what makes it a wonderful thing. And I don't think hmm. that a, a learner, particularly if they're at the B1, B2 level, really, 
this is not going to be affecting them. Not at all. And you know, a lot of the time the non-natives have more knowledge of the language Bingo. and the grammar and the structure. they had to do it themselves. Absolutely. And you know, honestly, honestly. Particularly when I have to correct my husband in Spanish. Right. Sorry. And honestly, Michelle, <laughs> you know, I would say to any language educator, yeah. they need to go and learn languages. It's not enough just to be born bilingual or whatever. You need to go and learn right. other languages to know the pain of learning a language. You've I've been through it with Spanish. You've been a little bit through it with French, but obviously you've got the German from your bilingual with German. Yeah. But yes, you've learned other languages. And people who have not sat and gone through that process, and a lot of non-natives have. Yeah. And can I also say, I'm, I often have in the past taught Spanish. I'm not a native of Spanish. Right. But right. I've taught Spanish. Yeah. And I, I often say, and, and to anybody who's listening, um, if you have this problem, tell them you're bilingual and see what they say. Yeah. Conversation's over then. It yeah. is. It is, absolutely. There's mm -hmm. no native or non-native. I'm bilingual. That's right. Many of them are plurilingual. Absolutely they are. Multilingual, plurilingual, polyglots. Yeah. So it's, no, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's um, a notion that needs to, it, it's, 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 to me We're it's almost a, it. yeah. We're shifting it. Yeah. It's, it's a form uh, almost of but classism, we're disrupting, I think. We're yeah. disrupting the language industry at the be. moment. <laughs> we are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, somebody did my course a couple of months ago and um, he said that many, many years ago, it must be about 20 years ago, he was in one of the, I'm not going to say any names, mm -hmm. in one of the sort of wherever. Places. And he was given the instructions that this is the book and you do not go beyond one page every session because the idea is that we keep the client here for a long time. Oh God. Yeah. That's horrible. Is this the industry that we have been in 20, 30 years ago? And we're still moving into this industry of no, no long contracts. We want you up and running, learning the language as fast as we can. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we're disrupting because we are saying now it's about the client. Mm -hmm. The yeah. client wants to be up and running in six months. Come on, let's get you there. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. How much are you going to do by yourself? That's right. Mr. Client, Mrs. Client. Yeah, exactly. But you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. When if you, you go you to there. the country, we can get you there. Yeah. 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 So interestingly, um, mm -hmm. all of these new applications yeah. and um, you know programs and software that are supposedly very, very good at replacing people like you and me. <gasps> what do you say to that? I say they're fantastic supplements. Yeah, they are. I they say are, the same thing. Right. We're on the same but page. You know, mm -hmm. the interesting thing, again, we come back to the brain. We are wired to be social. We're yes. wired to be emotional. We're wired to be human. Yeah. We've got enough uh, AI taking over. Yeah, this So is true. I think it is about us retaining our humanity. This is true, and there's been projections and predictions done about what kind of jobs will be replaced and, and stuff mm -hmm. like this. And, and some of them that are the ones that won't be are actually things like well, what in, we do. Because in Japan, we they've it. already got robots teaching English. Wow. Yes. It'll be an interesting accent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they cloned you and me. Oh. <laughs> Would get some serious Chicago out of me. Well, I don't know what they'll get out of me, but <laughs> if they've cloned us, well, hey, hey, maybe they have. You know, all them. this AI on on YouTube and everything. Maybe they've downloaded our, our how we speak, our, our voices, yeah. and they've put them together in a robot. In a robot, that would be frightening. Yeah, I hope they made it a little thinner. <laughs> well, we could we could ask, you know, we could, could, ask could we have we... the features changed or could we have a little bit of touch up here and there? Yeah. Yeah. So, Rachel, for my next question, I'd like to ask you something that's a, a little uh, a topic that's a little bit dear to me because um, mm. I'm uh, the chair of Altus this year. And um, 
and organizations like um, IATAFL um, and like the in Germany we have the different ELTA organizations, yeah. English language teachers associations in Germany. Yeah. What um, do you think about organizations like us in terms of you know for teachers and coaches and stuff like that? Why? Why, why mm. should they? Why wouldn't they? What's your experience with organizations like ours? You know, and it's quite interesting because when I um, let me go back to me landing in the snowstorm okay. when I came to Bochum, when I met Uncle Jim. Um, in those, I, I was working with Jim for, well, I did the masters um, in that year 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. then I went back to England, but then in 2003, I came back to work with Jim. And mm -hmm. I was working with Jim until 2005, 6, and then I was on my own. Then I set up official language coaching. And I have to say that in all those years, I never ever knew that these groups existed. Wow. And I wish I had. Wow. Okay. Because I felt very much like an island on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim never spoke to me about any of these places, um, groups, associations. Mm -hmm. So I just never even knew there was a world out there of associations and support. Wow. And I wish I'd have known. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually wonder if many people are still out there like that. And a lot of people who come to academies, they come to schools, they're kind of with the academy, but they don't get to know about these groups. And I think it would be great to, to really understand how people could get to know more about you. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered really quite late. I, I discovered firstly IATEFL and BSIG, that was 2015-16, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. very late. Um, and since then, it's when I'm starting to see that you've got an amazing world out there yeah. and you support so much. And, and by the way, congratulations that you're the chair now. Yeah, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, so, no, I do think there are many young, young teachers out there. And yeah. I get many people doing my course saying that they feel isolated. They feel alone. They feel really, and especially in these two years of pandemic. They don't have pandemic. to be. That's right. They don't have to be. That's right. Yeah, we put a real network together when uh, when the pandemic started, and we started. We still have a tech group that meets online once a month, yep. um, just to deal with issues or new tools or whatnot, um, helping yep. people out, our members out with any kind of issues that they're having with their technical handling of the equipment you know is it zoom is it teams is yeah. it google meet yeah. is it meetsy in germany which is a german application which doesn't do english which is like wow if you like your i like my programs in my native language yeah because i have enough to think about and mm -hmm. so I, yeah if you yeah. have to work with a program that's not your native language then it mm -hmm. can be yeah. yeah it can be a little hairy question for you yeah do people have to be from this area to join your well, it's ideally they, they should be from our area, from the greater Stuttgart area, but it's not mm. necessary because we have other ELTAs in other regions, or if you particularly like our ELTA, you know, if you're a member of ELTAs, um, you can also go to meetings for the, in the other associations, most of them. But could they yeah. be from outside Germany? Outside Germany, then I would suggest your local uh, in, your, right. in your country. Right. Uh, if there's not one in your country, you should... Um, talk to, reach out to one of us you know write your yeah. a chair of an association of now my emails are gonna go nuts <laughs> um, well. but yeah do reach out to the association yes. and uh, they should point you or hope to point you in a direction mm -hmm. and organizations like Ayatafel and Bezig and I don't know yeah. we have we've reached out to displaced people from um, the Ukraine and yeah. have actually some new members from the yeah. Ukraine who are displaced English teachers. You know, they need a yeah. hand uh, yeah. and Absolutely. we can give it to them. Absolutely. And we need to get them settled here and yeah. working and productive part of the community um, yeah. just like the rest of us are. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not one of these people and I don't think our organization is about, you know, oh, they're going to take contracts away from me. It's you know, I've always said there's enough work in the world for everybody. Yeah. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, it's about the respect for each other. And there is enough work out there for everybody in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you don't have the work, I'll find you something to do. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. really, um, I think, yeah, we get offers um, from universities and companies contact us. There are mm. other teachers of ours that are, you know, really very popular that are members of our association. And they receive things, and if they can't do it, they pass it on within our group because yeah. we take care of our own. You know, it's yeah. a big networking group. Yeah. So Fantastic. I think it's, yeah, also Fantastic. for companies. I think Fantastic. companies, they have uh, a real opportunity to find teachers that are professionally qualified and you yeah. know that they're constantly, you know, they're, they're doing the workshops, they're, they're keeping their skills yeah. up, you know, yeah. and what, what's better to have than a teacher who's interested in, in keeping their skills honed? Absolutely, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Whether and they're teaching or coaching. That's right. That's right. And um, in some ways, you know, the community that we've got now with the neurolanguage coaches, it's it's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, they really do support each other. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's that feeling of belonging. Yeah. That feeling of belonging and, and knowing that there are others out there who are experiencing the same as you and, and who can help. Or I can call this person. That's right. I can, that's right. I can post something in the forum yeah. to this person. I yeah. can write them an email and they'll get back to me. Maybe yeah. it's not the same day, but they'll get back to me. And know? I think it's important because a lot of language teachers do feel isolated. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. Mm. Um, in the beginning for me, it was very difficult here yeah. in Germany. And I'm, you know, I speak German. Yeah. And, but and I have family in the Black Forest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this whole teaching, you know, speaking in German in a business level, you know, yeah. and making contracts and, and yeah. talking to, trying to talk to people without dutzing them, you yeah. know, is, you have to retrain your brain. Well, I know that. And I had, you know, I had great <laughs> problems in those first years as well with German because nobody wanted to speak to me in German. Everybody wanted to speak to me in English. So I was fighting to try to practice my German and then Nothing. Only English. Only English. Yeah. So, yeah, it took me some years to get into German, I have to say. And I have a le very Latin brain at that point in my life. You yeah. know, it was full of Latin languages. And it oh, was like, no. oh, my God, a Germanic languages? What's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually English helps with the German I know, language. But I hadn't tapped into it. As soon as I opened that door, my brain just went, wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. So there's some very basic rules with the English language that if when you're when you're speaking and when you're trying to get someone to realize what they're doing you know mm. that for for the German speaker there's a lot of rules that are that are just natural and for example the Germans and the time thing we always talking about the time first you know yeah. And which is why I can always tell someone who's written something in German they put the you know nowadays and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I always think to myself, no, 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 recently, nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. like the, the time in the beginning in English unless we're really trying to emphasize That's something. Right. That's and right. And then the Germans, but I'm emphasizing. No, yeah. you're not. You're speaking. You're, it's a very normal <laughs> sentence what you're saying here. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to wonder. I'm wondering why yeah. you're emphasizing Yeah, but the it. interesting thing but is. But it's a cultural thing too yeah, as well. Yeah, but also in, in English, the problem is that if you also put the time at the end, mm -hmm. by the time you get to the time mm -hmm. word, mm -hmm. the verb's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of realize, okay, whoops. So yeah, there's a little bit of thinking yes. that has to change. That's right. And That's right. It's, but it's I the same for us in German. Yeah, I tell them, you know, like, listen, you've got to try to, you know, you can't you can't take out the Michael Swan, you know, usage, practical English usage, which is like the Bible of English, you know, the yeah. cross-reference Bible yeah. of how to use English properly. And, you know, I... I see I've Murphy's got a in my Bible. Murphy, Murphy. Murphy's in yeah. Bible. One but the laws. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But no, I think... Um, Really, I tell my students, you know, subject, verb, the rest. Subject, verb, place, time. Subject, verb, place, time. Yeah? Particularly with business stuff, you know, the meetings on Tuesday yeah. at 5, you know. Mm. The meetings um, in the Forum 3 Cafe at 6. Mm. So, you know, it's because otherwise you get these weird sentences and it's like, okay, I understand you because I understand German, but otherwise if I were somebody else, I would be wondering why are you putting the sentence together that way? It's like a puzzle where you yep. try to make the pieces fit where they don't belong. Yep. And um, 
yeah, um, if you have these long rules, you can't remember. And so, yeah, you have to, the people, in German, they call them the Aces. The oh, I know. I love the donkey branch. Yeah. Oh, but the it's donkey branch. It doesn't exist in any other language. No. I said it the other day in Spain, and they looked at me as if I was crazy. And it's like, what? La puente del burro. Sí. No. ¿Qué quiere con el burro? <laughs> yes. What are you going to do with the donkey? No. No, And then no, I was explaining no. to them, it's the Ezebruca. Oh, it's beautiful, it's but there's words and languages that are just yeah. irreplaceable, you yeah. know, and, and you know, that inner Schweinhund is just in no other language, is yeah, it? exactly. I know. No, yeah. it's also, I think that you're right, it's, um, you know, the more we know about our brains, the more we can really understand how we, what we need to do in order to make a change in ourselves yeah. so that we can facilitate ourselves to say what we need to say That's right. in the way it needs to be said. That's right. That's you know, right. And I when you start having the language paradise in there as well, mm -hmm. when you start connecting and making connections, it, it just becomes a, a constant fascination with language yeah. and different languages. And yeah. you know, one of the best moments for me is when I've got a group, at the moment I've got a group of 14 all different languages mm -hmm. and there's one session where we go into language paradise I call it language paradise because we're starting to ask each other how is this in your language how is it different do articles exist in your language how about the present perfect what about continuous you know it's like this continuous discovery and that discovery creates curiosity yeah and the curiosity creates dopamine and then you start getting hooked well yeah and then you also start learning that's actually. right then you that's actually right. start making that pathway making the connections that's that right. is going to stick that's right that's right and, and the language brain is just fascinating because you can do really. all the exercises that you want no and you can no. train and you can remember and this and you can hope that by doing this and the other thing that later um, it comes up, but you no, have it's to those some instant have, connections. You have to. The light has to go off. That's you have right. to internalize it that's somehow. Right. That's right. And until that happens, and that's not even enough. Yep. Because that light goes off, and then five hours later, you're like, "What did I remember? What did it, was it?" This? Yeah, but if if there's enough emotion, if there's enough curiosity, you never forget it. No. Oh you yeah. You never forget it. I have to tell you an anecdote. Please. I always tell these. This one. <laughs> this is one I always tell. Um, when I was first learning Spanish and I first in Mexico, in yes. uh, Cuernavaca, and I was in a one-month program with my university and because I was afraid I was going to graduate and not be able to speak and understand mm -hmm. Spanish. And the, while I was there, um, there's a word in English, you know, embarrassed. I'm very embarrassed. I know. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I said, you know, False friend, the biggest false friend there ever says, I estoy muy embarazada. And my teachers fell off their chairs. My teachers fell off their chairs laughing. And, and I thought, what the hell did I say? And it was a moment, I think, to myself, you know, it's, it, people are afraid to make mistakes, but it's in making the mistakes. Where you really, by the you way, I said forget. I was very pregnant, and yes. I wasn't. <laughs> I was yep. obviously not very I pregnant. I was muy embarazada. I was muy, muy embarazada. No, I was not. I was not very pregnant. I was very embarrassed. It sounds very similar. It's yeah. a false friend. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you have yeah. to learn sometimes um, this way, and that was a mistake. And look how you've never forgotten that moment. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what the brain does. It imprints in the brain. Ding. But it's not just that thing, because I realize that's not the only word that is like that. I have to be careful because there are very similar words in... Uh, take two. I have to be very careful because yep. there are very similar words in the Spanish language and the English, we, false friends we call them. They're also in German. They exist yep. with... Uh, sometimes it's the same word. Yeah. Um, but it's not used the same way. That's right. And so That's right. It, happens in all languages. Useless if you great anecdotes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have yeah, one? I, I do, but it's rude. Okay. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple that no. I can say it, but I'm not going to say the rude word. Okay. I'm like, when I, in my former life, when I was married to mm -hmm. my Spanish husband. He used to forever, ever, ever shout at me because I was never able to say the word 
cajones, <laughs> which is the drawers. Yeah, yeah. And I would always get it wrong and I would always say, please, can you put it in there? Uh-uh. And he'd look at me and go, Rachel, you've got to get this word right. I got to tell you, I got that word. <laughs> I have them both right. Oh, you do? I have them both okay. right. Yes, okay. I do. And so, I use them both. Yeah, that was one of my first... No nos, yeah. um, but no, it becomes funny, you know. Yeah, and it does. In Italian, does. the same. In French, the same. In German, the same. But and I think those are the really good things, actually. If you're if you're yeah. lucky enough to make that mistake, yes, and make this yes. realization, and with the right person, and with the right person, you, know, <laughs> you don't want to do it, and you don't want to do it when That's you're, right. you know, no. presenting to no, a no, room no. full of doctors no. or something like That's that. That's right. No. That's right. But, um, but yeah, language is, it's just, it, I just think it's a beautiful voyage. Okay. It really is. So what would you say to uh, someone who has maybe done their bachelor's degree and they're teaching mm -hmm. English mm -hmm. or they have done something else and now they decided to go teach English, or maybe they've done a CELTA mm -hmm. or maybe they're a non-native speaker or something like that and they're starting out here in Germany. Can you make any... Um, could you give any suggestions or make any rep recommendations other than joining your local well, English I was say, Teachers Association? <laughs> of course. No, but that would that would be something to say. You know, to find uh, like-minded people who are going to be able to be soundboards for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, I think in in any job, it's great to have people who are soundboarding. Okay. Not people who are telling people what to do and bragging about what they do, but people yeah. who are genuinely going to be there if somebody wants to call and say, hey, can we just have a chat about work or what I'm doing or what could I do? And, and even that sort of um, how to go into personal growth yeah. in this past, because so many teachers that come to me as well, and I was one of those 20 years ago, after you've taught for many years, you kind of get into like a stagnation you don't and you want, want to get something to a different. Funk. Yeah. That's right. So there I would say as well, talking about personal growth, even with you yeah. as an association, you do so many workshops, you introduce people to many different things. And I think this is, this is the key for moving forward. And you said it earlier, it's about continuous professional development. Yeah. Everything that we do. Yeah, I think and, you're right. And, you know, as yep. a coach, as a professional coach, coaching mindset means growth mindset. Okay. And it means also we have to grow. Not only the clients that we're with, it means we have to continuously develop. Yeah. Continuously. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it, it's helpful. It, it certainly makes my teaching easier, I think. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it's about lesson planning and this and that and trying to, now what do we do and... Yeah. Hmm, how can I get this? And then it becomes more a chore as opposed yeah. to an activity. A joy. Yeah, a joy, an a activity joy. that's a joy. Yeah? That's right. It's, that's right. Uh, it's something that, you know, when, when, when we look at the clock and an hour has gone by just flying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I call it collapsing time. Yeah. Collapsing time. Getting the brain into that flow state where the brain is just happy doing what you're doing. And that's it. Time's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like us now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the time is gone. Well, I think on that note, um, it's very nice to have had you here today. I hope you enjoyed our interview head to head, in depth head to head. In with, depth. Yeah, very in depth. Unplugged, with, I think, unplugged. today. Huh? <laughs> Please like and subscribe uh, to our channel and watch for our next videos coming up. We've got a lot for you.